0: 2022 or Death Holler brought us Season 3 Slash or Pass. It became the classic horror film podcast of its time. And now Death Holler brings us the most shocking season ever. <laughs> season 4 Ted or dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Imagine, if you will, that one of the hosts is absolutely terrified of zombies. So, what's the plan? Oh! him in the head, that seems to work out. Now, accept the fact there is no escaping this horror. Death Holler brings back the dead. Holler, you discretion is advised. With hospitality like this, you'll never want to leave. Come come we hope you stay alive. When there's no more room
1: back to death holler i am your host the reverend dr death joining me as always my co-host la Urena, and we actually have a special guest this episode it is daphne hello daphne
2: hello guys how are you today uh, we're we're
1: uh feeling like we're zombies at the moment due to the time <laughs> but i mean here we are
3: oh yeah all all of us are, are feeling it right now which is hilarious but i have a feeling the reverend is um he's worried um you know with with two i feel like maybe he feels like two women are going to be pitted against him in this uh, who knows i i
2: think this is the perfect episode for this movie
3: i do too
1: <laughs> yeah uh, a lone guy dealing with uh, two women that are out to uh basically uh Neuter him and and you know keep him
3: uh, use him up forever use yeah. him for their nefarious plans. Yeah, <laughs> it's a That's, some men's dream, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: well, maybe I guess. Uh, some's nightmare. Maybe we're talking about where is uh, Death Becomes Her from 1992? Um, tagline: Some people will go to any lengths to stay young forever, but Madeline Ashton and her old friend Helen Sharp are about to go too far.
3: I mean is there such thing you know
1: <laughs> that that tagline went a little too far <laughs> If you ask me, but.
3: It, yeah it was a little bit long it was a, a little tldr you know
1: i don't know why they don't understand this it needs to be one sentence max and it needs to have punch to it like some of these are really good and some of them are like what are you doing
3: are there any other quotes or ta- uh, not quotes, but taglines yeah
1: there, there's a few more but they're really bad oh um,
3: okay awesome <laughs>
1: Uh, Directed by Robert Zemeckis, Uh, never heard of this guy who directed uh, my favorite trilogy of all time, Back to the Future, so Mm -mm. um, written by Martin Donovan and David uh, Keep, Uh, music by Alvin Silvestri, also or Alan Silvestri, never heard of him either since he did music for Back to the Future, but hey, I mean, you got to get some of these no-name guys every once in a while. Yeah,
3: you know, they got to start somewhere.
1: Made for a budget of fifty five million U S dollars, it made one hundred and forty nine million. So, did pretty well.
3: I'm sorry, but isn't that similar to Warm Bodies?
1: Uh, maybe.
3: I I mean, it's not exact um, for sure, but I am. I'm going to look it up, but I am pretty sure that Warm Bodies was, like, something uh, like that.
1: 30, 35, and 117.
3: Okay, yeah. What so what Warm Bodies did, so close. pretty close. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, there's movies these days that don't get numbers like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big budget movies. I wonder what she could be talking about.
1: I have no idea movies that are made for the, the box office are actually the box office that these movies made is only a fraction of the cost of these new movies. And they barely make more than that. Yeah, they do.
3: You could say they're anything but marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I'll go
1: home. Now. Uh, and they, they should be yoked into a galaxy far, far away. Oh, <laughs>
3: That hurts. Yeet. It hurts so bad.
1: Um, anyways, principal players, we have Meryl Streep playing Madeline Ashton, the movie star, diva, and homewrecker in this movie. Um, Meryl Streep, never heard of her.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not like she's been nominated 50 bajillion times for was the, the Emmys, <laughs> Oscars, uh, probably a Grammy or two. I don't know if she sings in any of her movies. but
3: sure Mama, Mia. Mama Mia. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's true. Um, only murders in the building. This very last season of that, uh, which by the way, only murders in the building is a damn good show on Hulu. If you haven't watched it, I'd to watch highly that. Uh, Mama Mia and the sequel, as you said, I, I keep forgetting about her being in that, although those movies are pretty decent for what they are. Yeah, uh, The Devil Wears Prada. <clears throat> which I've never watched and don't plan to never watched the bridges of Madison County either. Don't plan on it.
2: Let me tell you this about the bridges of Madison County. I have a, uh, a category of movies that I call, they are so good. I will never watch them again. (laughs) And bridges of Madison County is on that list. Wow. It is is so good, but it is so good. I can never, ever watch it again.
1: Now, is it, is it good in the sense that, I mean, it just being an overall, overall good movie and you don't want to ruin it or is it good in the sense that it's like a real like emotional movie and you don't want to
2: relive it both oh okay okay
3: like, it is
2: it is amazing
3: i think a star is born with lady gaga was that for me yeah i, I won't i ugly cried so bad i won't watch it again
1: <laughs> i wouldn't say that i ugly cried during stars born but i will say that it's one of those movies that I, I think it's great and I even bought it and now the, and when I look at it I'm like I just don't think I'll ever be in the mood to watch yeah. that just because it's not I mean it's kinda of there it's too. Perfect, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh Sophie's Choice. Never she heard was of in that. that. Kramer versus Kramer, the deer hunter, which has Christopher Walken in it. And uh, Nightmare on M Street uh, 2. Uh, no, that's a joke. We had knockoff Meryl Streep in that movie. Oh, my God.
3: Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have to point out, because I can't believe it's not on here, and I don't know if y'all have seen it, but definitely let me know if you have. Have any of you guys seen She-Devil?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. I
3: love that she, movie. She was amazing. She-Devil. She She-Devil. It's yeah, with uh, a Roseanne, Roseanne Barr was the main
1: character in that one.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I might have, but it's been so long. Oh, it's been that movie's was- from
3: like 1989 or something.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize it was Meryl Streep in that. Yes,
3: she was. She kind of played a similar character. She stole a woman's man. Go figure.
1: Yes, it's, yes, it's the same right. exact character. Yeah, yeah. She does.
3: Um, yep. she's an author in this book, though. And oh my, God. I just I love that movie. I that I will watch that movie over and over.
1: Yeah. I've, I've seen it a couple times and I completely forgot, but yeah, she's definitely in it. And she is the, she's, uh, I mean the same setup, even it's, you know, this, uh, homely looking woman with a man, you know, yeah. and uh, meets uh, this woman who's, uh, you know, an up and comer in her profession it like, a you know, uh, in this case, like a theater diva versus, you know, a book writer, but still it's the same setup. Yeah. Um, we have Goldie Hawn in this, uh, playing okay. Helen Sharp, novelist, funny that <laughs> we just talked about somebody being a novelist, a scorned woman and mentally deranged. Um, Is uh, she? she does, no, just kidding. no, she doesn't sit I'm there sorry. for twelve years, you know, plotting her revenge against this woman.
2: No, no, no. Let's back it up a little bit. She's so deranged over Madeline that. She literally has a Madeline test for all of the guys that she
3: dates. Oh, oh yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> it's like okay, I want to see if the guy that I'm with will be faithful to me. So I know that this woman who has repeatedly stole every man that I've ever had, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring them. I'm gonna bring the guys to her and just see if if they this can famous you
2: know. movie star, yeah, They're gorgeous and beautiful and super rich, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Well, and here's the other thing too—that's super duper deranged about it. Not that—not to, to get into the movie already, but he would never—he would never have met her if it hadn't. Have oh, been yeah, you're Helen.
3: That is true. He—he no.
1: he would have had because he had no interest in any of that stuff. Like no. I mean, it, it wasn't even on his radar.
3: Yeah, she could have just removed herself from you know Helen's life or Madeline's life. Excuse me. Yeah, you never would have had a problem. Yeah, but I mean, you know, well, well, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit.
1: Um, bringing in some real life into this really quick. Uh, Goldie Hawn, uh, ha- tried to tap into the. Uh, fountain of youth like she did in this movie uh, yeah. and in real life, and it did not work for her in real life. Oh,
2: see, I haven't seen any pictures of her lately. Well, she uh, was in the Christmas Chronicles.
1: Cr- Christmas Chronicles 2. Well, actually, she was at the end of 1. Okay. But, but like I uh, saw those
2: movies. I didn't think it was terrible. <sighs>
1: I think she just. I mean, especially versus Kurt Russell. I mean, the man is is aged perfectly. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but that's like not it, fair.
3: Guys, guys, guys this, do that. Yeah.
1: Well, some do. I mean, yeah. let, let's compare to the old man at the beginning of, not, uh, or of uh, Night of the Living Dead, the, the remake, the one that's like, oh, I'm sorry, that guy did not age like <laughs> Kurt Russell. He aged like milk. Like-
3: <laughs> oh, Okay, uh, y'all have seen uh, First Wives Club. No.
1: I've not watched
4: oh, I love Oh, okay. I'm-
3: well, what's funny is that Goldie Han, uh, it's the first wives club is basically where the scorned ex-wives, they're the first wives of rich men, they kind of build a club because their men left them for younger women, basically. But in the movie, Goldie Hawn is, Han's character, she gets plastic surgery and she tries to deny it, but she you could totally tell her face looks just pulled back and her lips are super big. That's funny. <laughs> and she basically looks like she does at the end of Christmas Chronicles. So basically it was the oh future. God. Like she was foretelling the future. Self-fulfilling so prophecy. Yes. So yes, while uh, it didn't look terrible, you can definitely tell
1: yeah, it's it's just unfortunate for her. I mean like it's, it's like the uh, Courtney Cox effect. It's oh, like, yeah. What did you do to yourself? Like, seriously, stop. I mean, it's it's not helping. Um, of course, we mentioned the Christmas Chronicles that Goldie Hawn was in. Overboard. Oh, love very that movie. popular Plastic. movie. Uh, First Wives Club. The Banger Sisters, <laughs> which I find as hilarious as a name. But, yeah. Um, Bird on a Wire and uh, Private Benjamin. And uh, she's got a few more, but I was surprised. I was like, I, I thought that she was in more like main major movies, but like looking at her list on IMDb, like she's not really been in a ton. Wow. Like, of, yeah. Like standout stuff, you know.
2: Hey, but the ones that she w- was in were just like instant classics, and everybody knows and yes, loves that.
3: That is That's true. true. She's very picky about her movies, and good for her. <laughs>
1: Uh, we have Bruce Willis, never heard of him, uh, playing Ernest Menville, the plastic surgeon uh, turned undertaker uh, and basically cucked husband uh, <laughs> over the course of a movie.
2: So I got to tell you this also when so I have actually found a movie that Leo had never seen before, which is hard to do. And so we're watching this movie and he's like, no, I think I've seen this. And he's like, no, I've absolutely not seen this. Right. (laughs) And then at about 10 or 12 minutes in after the first seven year um, jump, time jump. Oh, looper. (laughs) uh, Right. He said, is that Bruce Willis? Ah! And I was like, yes. I was like, this is when he still had hair. And he was like was that Bruce Willis at the beginning and I was like yes babe this has been Bruce Willis the whole time and he he wanted to back it up cuz he didn't believe me <laughs> and I wouldn't I wouldn't let him and so he got on IMDb and he was like well son of a bitch it's Bruce Willis the whole time
1: <laughs> uh, to be fair he does have on a hairpiece through the first part of the movie before he becomes like you know the the more bald like he was in real life version later on
2: I still thought it was hilarious that he didn't recognize him.
1: (laughs) Well, he's playing uh, against uh, again in in this movie, too, because he spent so many years as, like, an action hero. And now in this one, he's, like, more of just, like, a a nebbish, like, you know, uh, uh, intellectual type, you know. So it's not really the same character that he's normally seen as. Um, Obviously known for the Die Hard films. uh, Looper, Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, which we've covered uh sin city and the sequel both great movies uh red and the sequel have you all saw the movie red or yes
3: i love it no uh
1: john malkovich is in those movies as i've said before so (laughs) kind of funny that we you know have the connection there
2: and helen Mirren too
1: yes uh and if you ever want to see
2: if you ever want to see helen Mirren as an action star oh shit you need to watch this movie it's great
1: And it's so weird because she's gorgeous, even though she's a much older woman. You know, it's you talk about, I don't know what fountain of youth she found, but it, I mean, her place of surgeon, she get paid extra.
3: I think we (laughs) know what fountain of youth she found.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Planet Terror, which we will be covering at at some point this season. So uh, Bruce will be back in another zombie movie. Uh, The Whole Nine Yards and its sequel, which I love those movies. Actually led to the him being on Friends because he made a bet, apparently, with Matthew Perry and uh, had to go do a few scenes or a few episodes of Friends after that. Oh, that's
3: awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, Armageddon, Fifth Element, Twelve Monkeys, Pulp Fiction, Hudson Hawk, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I actually enjoy that movie. Um, it's fun, even though it is stupid, and then Moonlighting, which is where he got his big break, actually.
3: Yeah, that's so fucking old, Moonlighting. I remember that when I was a kid. I didn't watch it, but it was, like, like on TV. But real quick, did Bruce Willis give Ned Flanders to you guys in this movie? Kind of.
2: Oh, my God.
3: (laughs) He was giving Ned Flanders to me.
2: That's amazing. That stupid mustache. Mm Mm-hmm
1: yeah the yeah the mustache and then like his just constant like um his uh, facial expression is always one of like terror like you yeah. know a surprise throughout the. all whole movie. we needed
3: was a womanly that, scream that out of him. bland yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's sad what he's going through in real life yeah. though, honestly yeah. i mean he's got some kind of like weird dementia that's like really early and like he's and, like he can't, and and a lot of people were giving him shit because he was making these direct to uh, Redbox movies uh, where he had a lot of earpieces in where they were basically feeding him his lines, but he had to because he couldn't remember them anymore, yeah. which is right. awful. Uh, Isabella Rosalini. Uh, uh, is it Liesl? Is that how they say her name in the movie? Lyle, I, can't... I thought. Lyle, whatever. Von Rumen, uh, who's the gothic potion maker, um, you talk about somebody who aged like milk. Like, I feel like Isabella Rosalini is like that. She is gorgeous in this and blue velvet. And then, like, sh- you see, like, pictures of her after and, like, oh, my God. Like, totally different person. I don't know what happened to her. But.
3: Yeah. <laughs> she was just too gorgeous. Well, she was
2: 71 in this film. So, you know, it just goes to show. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's true. She, didn't she had have a few much more time. years on her after this. Well,
3: obviously, Ernest passed, so no one was there to spray paint her ass, you know?
1: <laughs> but she didn't need it because she hadn't been killed. Like, so she was, her body was still fine, Something you know?
3: happened. We didn't see yep. it. Uh,
1: she's actually in the Incredibles movie. Uh, like, there's a voice in that. Wow. So, I mean, uh, Goosebumps, Escape from Horrorland, which is a video game, and then wider. Uh, uh She was in that movie as well with Kevin Costner, which is not the version of White Earp that I prefer. I prefer Kurt Russell's version, but that's a whole other thing.
2: Oh, yeah, me, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh
1: Adam Stork plays Dakota, Madeline's side piece, or is she the side piece, as we find later on? He's got a much better, younger-looking woman that he's been tapping, and she thinks she's his main thing. Um, he was in the movie mystic pizza, which it's, I can't remember. Is that got, it's either got share or it's got Julia Roberts. I Julia can't remember. Roberts. I, okay. It's, I knew it was one of the two and then William, uh, Frank father. I had to put this in here because of his name. Like this is the actor's real last name is Frank father played <laughs> Mr. Franklin in the movie. And then get this Cl- Cl- Clement von Frankenstein Frankenstein, uh, <laughs> Frankenstein plays, uh, the opening man like he's the guy at the beginning who's bitching about Madeline's like terrible acting in the play or whatever. Uh I think I seriously think they they whenever they were just going through actors for like extras they were like, "Wait, you guys have names similar to Frankenstein. This movie's got some of that going on. You're hired. I don't care if you right? act."
3: It has to be. <laughs> what I mean,
2: what the hell? So um I actually noticed I don't think she's credited um but I would almost bet money that in the um, the crazy oh not crazy house, what? When they're at their group therapy session. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Kitty, the mom from that 70s show, is one of the ladies in that group session.
1: I'll let uh, Urana look and see yeah. if she can find evidence. To I that. don't know if she's
2: credited, but that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that. I was like, oh, shit, that's the mom from that 70s show. <laughs> I believe so Tra-
1: ever Tra- since th- ever I was going to say, I believe Tracy Ullman was actually in this movie, but they cut her out. Like oh, yeah, they a, did. Like, yeah.
2: And there was somebody else, too, in the scene um, where they were all walking out or the people, random people were walking out um, at the very beginning of the movie being like, oh, this is trash, blah, blah, blah. There was another lady that I recognized too that I was like, shit, I know her too. So that, so the, part of the time as I was watching this movie was me just like scanning the background characters being like, do I know them? Do I
3: know them? <laughs> there <laughs> were so many of them. Daphne is right. Uh, Deborah Jo Rupp. Yep. She is credited as a psychiatric patient. Nice.
1: Well, there you go. I was uh, I was paying more attention to uh, Goldie Hawn in that scene because she's just like she goes out there with that that character during that scene. Like I I mean like she she did a very good job as far as like the comedic aspects during all that. Like when she's you know everybody else is like they're tired of hearing her story. They're like oh let me speak about Madeline Ashton. Everybody's like
4: fuck this oh! let me kill her. <laughs>
2: Yeah, another thing was uh Leah was so funny during this movie because so the scene of her and her her cat apartment. Oh yeah. He was like, <laughs> "Is that Goldie Hahn?" I was like, "Yes, babe, that's <sighs> he's like, "No." I was like, it's Goldie
3: Hahn, I promise you." You know, he's just he, he doesn't believe.
4: That's She no. she's yeah. really dumb.
3: That's not really her ass, but that is Goldie Hahn. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Just the way that she ate that ice cream and it just Uh, dribbled off of her double chin, triple chin.
3: I thought Uh, she was eating frosting for some reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was frosting. I'm Uh, sorry it was. It was even worse.
3: I thought it was cat food at first,
2: too, because when she opened that cabinet and all you saw was cat food and then she opened it up and just dipped her fingers in it, I was like, you crazy motherfucker.
1: You know, if she'd have died in that apartment, those cats would have ate her, right? I mean, 100%. They would have
3: lived a while.
1: It's. It would have happened. They they would yeah. They would have been there for a while. But they would (laughs) have they would have cleaned the bones.
3: What does it take? Like a day or something? Like within like somewhere between twenty four and seventy two hours, they're eating you. You're thinking of pigs? No, 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 cats. I am one hundred percent talking about cats. Pigs will (laughs) eat you a lot faster. Cats go
1: feral really quick.
3: (laughs) No, the pigs will make your body disappear in seventy two hours. But (laughs) that's true. Cats will start within that amount of time.
2: Well, and here's what's funny, though, is then it would be cyclical, right? Because she's so fat, the cats would eat them. They would get fat. They'd start eating each other. It would just be terrible.
1: (laughs) Mass chaos.
4: Yes.
1: (laughs) Synopsis for this movie. After having her fiancé stolen by her frenemy, Helen Sharp uh, spends years wallowing in pity and anger until finally deciding that revenge is her only solution. Her rival, Madeline Ashton, is desperately trying to hold on to an ever-fading youth while she drifts through a loveless marriage. A mysterious woman offers Madeline the chance at eternal youth, but with a hefty price. Is immortality worth it if you're trapped in a decaying corpse? Will Dr. Menville escape the two harpies that are ruining his life? Madeline's neck is twisted, Helen's guts are missing, and Ernest is dying to get away from the whole thing literally dying
2: so (laughs) should we change this from dr death to uh dr menville just for this episode (laughs) get me out of here (laughs) and we'll be the two harpies yeah
1: um here's the other taglines just so you know from the director of who framed roger rabbit back to the future no okay
2: shut up that was an actual tagline yeah
1: (laughs) yeah they they slapped it on stuff to get more you know drive to the cinema i guess uh this one's awful your basic black comedy (laughs) i mean it is but uh they they
3: could have went with dark uh they went with black
1: can, can you imagine like you know okay guys pitch me your advertising for this movie and some guy's sitting there and he's either had a shitty day or a lack of sleep and he's like it's your basic black comedy. And they're like, no,
2: it's because they're <laughs> it's a movie star. Instead of saying your basic black dress, it's your basic black comedy.
1: Uh, that's <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that that could have been what they're saying, but like that trend still, still a thumbs down. <laughs> yes. And then this one is another too long. Didn't read in one small bottle the fountain of youth, the secret of eternal life, the power of an ancient potion. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. What the fuck? Like, I, I you
2: know if <laughs> they had just taken the first sentence and the last sentence, that would have been great. The, in one what? small bottle, the fountain of youth. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But even, even with that, in one That's small bottle, the fountain of youth. Fine. Good. At the end of it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, that that says nothing. What they should have put is um um it it it, it works, but but it comes with a price or something yeah, like that. Well, and you, you know? know what?
2: So the girl oh God, I can't remember her name. The the witchy lady.
1: Lyle or whatever Lyle her name is, yeah.
2: She's, she actually says a great line where she says, you'll be married to your body.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes. That so would have been a good well. one. Yeah. Oh, yep. that would have been a real good one. Or, siempre vida, live forever.
1: Um, is her? Do you think her name was Lyle in that sense for something like Belial, like kind of a demonic-like connection or something?
2: Okay, yeah. so I noticed during the movie that when Helen and – Madeline, Madeline, talk to each other. It was mad and hell, hell, Yes, right? So I kept trying to make something out of Lyle's name. And, like, I think they were trying to, but I never could quite get it to work.
1: No, it's it's in the, I've got it in the trivia. I think it's, if you combine their names and Ernest's names, it's -er Mad-er- hell or something like that is what it ends up spelling. Like I'll, like I'll get to it, but it's it's something along that sense. It was just like a joke, taking their first names oh, and like doing all that
2: with it. Okay.
1: <laughs> Madder and then and hell, so like it or something like that. matter and but hell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quotes in the movie, uh, Ernest Menville, where did you put my wife? And then the second doctor, she's dead, sir. They took her to the morgue and then Ernest, the morgue, she'll be furious.
2: I actually laughed out <laughs> loud at that line.
1: Yeah. Uh, Madeline, uh, Ashton wrinkled, wrinkled little star. Hope they never see the scars.
3: I can love it.
2: That was great.
1: Uh, and, Ly- re-
3: and isn't that her first
2: line? Like other than the singing?
1: uh i want to know i thought it was like after it skipped ahead and it was like the first time you see her she's looking in a mirror and she's saying that maybe i'm wrong but well
2: that's what i'm saying it was like the singing stuff and then they went to her dressing room oh yeah
1: Yeah, it was either there or after she'd been married it was one of the two but it was the first time you saw her either way like i mean you know before and after uh, we have Lyle Van Ruman or Von Ruman saying, this is life's ultimate cruelty. It offers us a taste of youth and vitality, and then it makes us witness our own decay.
3: God, um, that, that's so fucking true. Uh,
1: Madeline, could you just not breathe when she's <laughs> Look, speaking to Ernest?
2: I was with her in this scene because I was like, dude, blow your nose or see a nose doctor or something. This was terrible. It was like he was snoring while he was still awake.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> um, which is funny because when we we cover life after Beth. There's a scene that, or where he is like he says something to Aubrey Plaza, and it's kind of similar to that. But I think it was kind of, or in response to her, it was kind of funny. Oh my
4: God!
1: Uh, talking about her smell, you know, because yeah. she's a corpse at that point. <laughs> uh, Madeline Ashton, you're a fraud, Helen. You're a walking lion. I can see right through you, and then they watch (laughs) through the hole while they're laughing.
2: Look, Madeline's laugh at this point was just total and utter glee. Yeah. It was chaos. (laughs) It was demonic. It
3: it was awesome.
2: These women had way too much fun with this movie. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I think, I think everybody involved had a lot of fun. I mean, even like Bruce Willis, even though he's acting like he's not, I mean, he's, he gets into the spirit of the movie. Like, oh yeah. yeah he, he contributes to it. He
3: had to have been like watching this and holding in laughter sometimes because.
1: <laughs> uh, Ernest Menville, till death do us part. Well, you girls are dead and I'm partying and <laughs> then and then Helen, she was a homebreaker, she was a man-eater, and she was a bad, bad actress. Bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emergency room doctor, I tell you what, kids, it's an uh, odd thing here. Your wrist, uh, as far as I can tell, is uh, fractured in three places, uh, and you're shattered uh, two vertebrae, although I can't be certain with an X-ray. The bone protrusion through the skin, that's not a good sign. <laughs> your body temperature's below 80, and your, 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 your heart stopped beating. And then Ernest is like, what the hell does that mean? And he and the doctor's like, Exactly. What what I'm gonna go get a second opinion.
2: I gotta tell <laughs> you, this was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole damn movie because at one point he like puts a pill in his mouth. Yeah. And, and because you, Do you know because, what the pill was? Yes, because uh my mother-in-law had some heart issues, so she she takes the nitrous yep. or whatever. So as soon as he did that, I was like Oh my God! He's like—he's
1: having a heart attack. He's about to have heart attack, yeah. <laughs> and whenever—and—and and here's the thing that I didn't realize. Uh, I mean, it's awesome that you picked this up. I had to actually look it up in the—you know—the trivia when um Ernest or bruce willis leaves the office and he's trying to find somebody to help her he's the one that, they're
2: working on
1: he's the one that they're all working on the one that they're yelling a code for is the doctor because he's yeah. dying of a heart attack now yep.
2: and that's why they can't find a doctor is because all the doctors are like oh shit one of ours is dying <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so good.
1: I I love the scene just because, like, I mean, the obviously it's played for comedy, but at the same time, the creepiness of it. Because the doctor, oh yeah. I mean, the underlying creepiness. The doctor's like, uh, she's dead. Like, I mean, I I'm speaking to a corpse that's living. Like. I, i'm done like that's that's where he's at with it and, and that's perfect you know well
2: and i i don't know who the guy is but i talk about him playing it perfectly oh yeah so he walked into this emergency room there's this chick sitting there husband whatever and you know he starts off really kind of boring okay well how are you guys doing you know what seems to be the problem here and then slowly he turns into in, in like three minutes, he's having a heart attack. So he goes from bored off his tits to having a heart attack in like three minutes. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it was a really well done scene. And I mean, kudos to everybody involved, the way he acted it, the way they directed it. I mean, uh, the script writing for it, it was perfect.
3: Well, I mean, if you think about it, the average emergency room doesn't really see a real emergency I mean from I have from friends I had that worked that were nurses in the emergency room people are going in for fucking colds right and it's like you don't have a doctor you can't go there's literally urgent care walk in care things like that now I know those didn't exist in the past but they exist now and they're like you this is for emergencies so I feel like in an emergency room you're either going to be bored from the type of patients you're seeing cuz it's not really an emergency or you're going to be bored from no patients if they were actually going to places like urgent care and walk-in care. So right, it makes sense that a doctor would be bored because it's like, ah, oh, here we go. Another fucking, you know, day stomach bug, you know, <laughs> what's bothering you today.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, in a lot of cases, especially around here, uh, they see a lot of stuff that they shouldn't even see just because, uh, Medicaid will pay for it. You oh, know, God. so, um, they, they'll say, I mean, I've literally seen ER doctors write, uh, children's uh, ibuprofen liquid and, and tylenol liquid for these kids just because they have a fever and it's like it's an over-the-counter yeah. fucking item like why did you waste valuable hospital resources for this you know
3: to get it covered under insurance probably
1: that's exactly what it is exactly i mean and nobody else was open or you know that was just because it's it does it cost them that's where they go yeah I mean, right it's and, and so people who are actually having real issues, heart attacks, uh, bleeding, whatever, they're being, you know, I mean, obviously they triage this stuff, but still their care is like being delayed because of these stupid things, you know.
2: Right. So another thing about this uh, scene, two things. One, real quick, is I absolutely loved the old school thermometer in her mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't see that shit anymore. No. And then Full of mercury. Two,
3: what? Said full of mercury. Oh, I know, right?
2: And so, uh, but then, too, um, I think the real change in the scene comes when he's um, looking at her wrist, and it took me until, like, the third or fourth time. He was like, are you sure this doesn't hurt? For me to realize he's literally bending her hand way Mm. too far, and her going, no, no, it's fine. I don't feel anything, you know? And So I just thought it was funny that even when I was, looking for stuff it took me like three or four times of him going are you sure before i, I really caught it and then it went downhill from there well
1: and also in that scene he has his he's holding her hand so he can feel the bones like actually moving yeah. underneath uh, the skin oh
2: gross <laughs>
1: And then finally we have Malin Ashton. Ernest, my ass. I can see my ass. And then Ernest was like, and there's something really wrong with your neck too.
2: I love (laughs) all these lines.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just I I love how like I mean, instead of him like that, that's the best part about this. Is that, I mean, he's obviously freaked out, but he's not freaked out as much as he should be. Like, anybody else would be speechless. They'd be like booking it for the door. But like, he's just like, okay, I'm freaked out, but like, I'm, I, you know, like, I'm still going to respond in just like a slightly perturbed manner, you know?
2: Well, and it's like he's the only one that's trying to hold on to his sanity by pointing out the obvious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: Um, something that, that a lot of people might not realize is that this was actually, uh, Zemeckis was highly involved in making the Tales from the Crypt, uh, HBO series at the time that this was going on, or this movie was made this movie. Uh, some people have argued was a script that they got for the, uh, for the show, or, and then they they, co- they just made a movie out of it instead. So, I mean, if it's got a vibe like it could have been on the Tales from the Crypt TV series, that's because it probably should have been. And they just expanded it out and made a movie out of oh, it.
3: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that really is. <laughs> but they made that's, a comedy, I, a horror comedy. Not even a horror comedy. <laughs> is this a horror comedy?
2: I would count it as yeah. a horror comedy. Yeah. yeah. So it
1: it, it would have fit how what they did on the show like it's in the same like the type of humor they did within in yeah, the show like that's it true. fit that um <clears throat> so getting into the movie visually the movie still fucking stands up yes. even when I mean the scenes that stand up the most are the ones like I mean especially when uh, Goldie Hawn stands up and you can see straight through her I yeah. mean. They use yes. CGI in those scenes, but it looks good because it's minimal use.
2: Minimal, yeah, and it's from the 90s. See, and that's what I was thinking, too, when I saw that scene, because I saw this, like, a million years ago. So I was wondering, like, how, how would it stand up? So, I mean, it was in the 90s, and obviously, besides, there's not a hole in the middle of Goldie Hawn. <laughs> you could see the CGI. You know how you can see yeah. that there's CGI done. However... Fucking amazing! There are movies now mm-hmm. that you can still see the CGI, and they aren't as intricate as what that because not only did you had to have the hole, but you had to be able to see through her and into the background. Mm-hmm. And they played with that a couple of times, obviously, because you know the the greenery and stuff like that when she steps out out of the pool. But then to have Meryl Streep lean over. And have the camera shot through Goldie Hawn and see Meryl Streep's face. Fucking amazing.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, That the the, stick coming through when she's sitting on the couch. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes i about lost my shit when that happened i was like no she's not gonna do that and then it did and i was like bah!
3: dude they put so much detail i mean i think visually with everything that they did uh the colors they were very vi- vibrant about specific colors um mm-hmm. they you know obviously uh the color the, having uh goldie han's eyes pretty much go dead i think eventually um because she's Madeline one of them's Madeline one of them's Helen I don't know one of them mad or hell I think eventually the other's eyes start to go pale as well uh, well
1: the, the only reason that the only reason that Madeline's eyes uh, were not like pale like Goldie Hawn's is because if you remember Ernest whenever he's spray painting her eyes, uh, yeah. he, he colors her eyes he, with a paintbrush yeah
2: you know? and he tells her he was like hold very still and she moves and he was like oh now it's gonna be odd do you want people to stare and so then when Goldie Hahn dies and Mm -hmm. her eyes immediately change I was like oh that's
3: motherfucking awesome yeah they were so specific about certain details everything uh now I want to know how did they make them look so much younger these women were already younger at the time obviously they weren't super old so did they make them look older in certain scenes or what
2: I think they probably did I think it was probably a Because of it being in the 90s, they probably used, and this is just my opinion, I don't know, they probably used makeup badly to age them, and then when they went through their transformation, they basically just did perfect makeup on them. Yeah. Yeah. As they really are. Okay.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of makeup effects in this movie, and and I want to say that the... The aged look. I mean, I, the one of the easy ways they got it was to kind of cake the makeup on as they were like, is the older versions of, of, you know, like especially Madeline to where it like accentuated any like crow's feet. And then whenever they took that away and, and, you know, it, it didn't stand out as much. So it looked like she was de aged or whatever, you okay. know? So
2: yeah, <laughs> I love it. The, the only thing I would say about the CGI and the aging is they used the same exact like overlay. On their hands, because when when Madeline when she does the the
4: oh, witchy yeah. lady
2: does the thing with her hand, right, and like it was gross. It was like green splotchy. She looked like she was decaying already, but. She, she obviously wasn't supposed to be that was just supposed to show like age spots and everything yeah oh yeah but when she did it to Ernest, it was the same exact fucking overlay like the splotches and everything looked oh yeah the same. exactly I,
3: I noticed that too I was like oh that's weird i would never seen that but I was like why are his Dalmatian spots exactly the same <laughs> right
1: <laughs> Um, the scenes where her head is on backwards and like she's walking oh, around—I yeah. mean—are very well done as well. I mean, I don't know how well they
3: did. I don't know. I mean, like CGI, obviously, but it was so good.
1: I, that one was practical. I think I didn't really notice any CGI. Much no, no, her, her
2: her neck was definitely CGI. Okay. I think what they did was they filmed it with her walking forward, yes. and they filmed it with her walking backwards, and they like stuck her her head on backwards because the where the head met the body the neck was definitely cgi however i will say my favorite part of that and you want to talk about practical effects and really selling it so that it's hard to tell is it's and this would happen she forgets she's walking backwards and she goes to sit down but she sits on on her butt on the floor because that's like you could tell she's trying to sit on the piano bench but she's backwards and so she just sits on the floor i was like Damn it, yeah. there were so many times I was like, somebody fucking paid attention.
3: <laughs> yeah. It and now that I think about that, I mean I I've obviously seen it. I obviously noticed that. It's just so funny how she just gives up and she's just like, okay, I'll just do this. And it's like, bitch, do you know what's happening right now? I like know I actually,
2: I actually expected her to make a comment about how good her ass looked whenever she's like, yeah, like, turned around backwards. And she's like, my ass, I can see my ass. And doesn't it look great? Yeah, like, that's what I was expecting her to say. But that would
1: have made sense. Yeah. Um the other thing about the makeup that I really liked was whenever they they had the peeling effect, which oh, made them yes. look even even creepier. Like their skin was peeling off, even though it was you know the makeup that was that was spray painted on.
3: Yeah, that was gross. Ooh, they did so good with that though.
1: Um, and then the other part about the visuals that stands out is just the, ca- the camera swoops and all that, because they, there's a lot of angles in the movie where they like, uh, they do like this wild, like, I mean, something you'd expect to see on tales from the crypt where they zoom the camera in at like some odd angle on like Bruce Willis's face as he's like yeah. got that panicked look, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's not the traditional like camera shot. It like zooms in and it's kind of cockeyed. to I guess visually represent that like his whole world is tilted now because like, He's seeing like this dead body that's you know came back to life, and there was a lot of scenes like that in the movie as well.
2: Well, in one one time, um, oh god, I can't remember what exactly was going on. I think it was right after he realized that Madeline wasn't dead. Wait, anyway, it's a shot from from. From the bottom up, right? So he's up over the camera, and of course, there's a freaking thunderstorm going on through like half this movie. Yeah, and so, so you get the like the skylight and the uh, the thunder crash and the lightning flash, and he says it's alive, and I was like Frankenstein.
3: Oh yeah, (laughs) it's a miracle.
1: there's a lot of throwbacks to, like, gothic, like, you know, uh, movies or whatever, and especially in the part you're talking about, it's toward the end of the movie where he's trying to escape from oh. Lyle and the rest of the ghouls. Uh, which, speaking of that, did you all re- – I didn't notice this until I saw the trivia. Everybody that was at that party was, like, a famous dead yes. celebrity.
2: Okay, I knew so them. that's where my keen eye came in because I was like, is that – I think I saw uh, Marilyn – not Marilyn Manson.
3: Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, she I was mean, they there. made
2: a they made a point of Elvis. But there were a couple of people that I was like, is that supposed to be a famous person? Is that supposed to be a famous person?
1: Uh James Dean is in the scene. Yes. Uh there's a scene where um um Elvis is talking and somebody like you know has throwaway line about like, oh, he's you know, he, he, you know, he's going on and again, basically hinting that, like, Elvis is like, exposed himself to the, the oh, public too the, much. It was you know? the guy
2: guy at the microphone. He was like, just a reminder, you guys need to stay hidden. Yeah. He, you know, not saying who you are. And then the yeah. crowd parts, and he was like, ho, ho, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, because everybody keeps saying that Elvis was alive. They saw yeah. him, and it's because he's he's been out in public too much. You know, Oh, my God.
3: So. Uh, they had Jim Morrison. <laughs> he was at yeah, the pool. Yeah, he was there. Mm-hmm. He was at the pool with the hot with the hot chick. Like, are you almost? Oh, dumb? is that who that was supposed to be? That was Jim Morrison. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Um, so the story—it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's basically—I mean, it's a good fit for Tales from the Crypt because it's kind of story you can imagine being in EC Comics. It's like the traditional, you know, like this is your you know potion that's going to keep you alive forever, but if you die, your body will rot and you'll have to live in that body forever, regardless <laughs> of what happens. Thank yep. God. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, looking at the movie, I I could forgive a lot of people thinking, oh, okay. Seeing the cover and seeing Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, uh, even, even with the one cover where like, I think like Bruce Willis has like his arm through Goldie Hawn's stomach and then he's got the (laughs) candelabra, you know, or whatever it, you see it and you're like, okay, this is some kind of romantic movie or something like that. Some chick flick, but And there might be elements of that in the movie, but there is a lot of gothic horror in this movie like that. I mean, they built into it.
2: I'm glad you said that because Leo, again, he must have been on his phone looking at stuff when we very first started because he said something about it being a chick flick. And I was like, this is not a chick flick. (laughs) So it's funny that you said that. I didn't even I didn't even realize that people thought it might be.
3: At best or at worst, I should say, it would be a chick horror flick.
1: Um, well, and, and that might be true, but at the same time, look at the overall story of the movie, who is the hero of the movie. It's Bruce Willis. He's the actual hero. He accepts death. He accepts living naturally. He's the one that, and he's being berated by these women. Clearly. I mean, like it, it is, you could say that it's from a feminist perspective. If you want to go that route, whatever. And it does have a lot of stuff about how women are viewed, you know, as they age and all that, I, it's there. But he is the good guy in the movie. Oh, so, yeah. So, I mean, it it's not – it doesn't have any agenda like that.
3: No. Oh, another Ned Flanders <laughs> aspect. He found God.
1: That is true.
3: <gasps> That's true. Though <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't you. Oh, See, yeah.
1: After, I would have found yeah, God after, after that after for sure. After saying that there is evil that exists that could bring people back or keep people from dying, yeah, I mean <laughs> – it's not too hard to accept the fact that there might be something else going on in the universe after you see the dead come back to life. And I yeah. would
2: try my damnedest to get on the good side. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um, now as far as th- anything else you want to say about the story. I mean it's it's I mean it it's the the biggest thing other than the, you know, the the straight tale of the movie is basically a commentary about How far are you willing to go to, you know, Mm -hmm. preserve, you know, youth? And is youth worth preserving? I mean, it's basically the the gist of it.
3: I feel like, uh, oh, go ahead. Ah, ahead. I'll delete that. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Go. Me? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, my God. (laughs) Go ahead, Daphne. I feel like Ernest right now. No, No, Daphne, you go first. Um. Uh, storyline.
2: Okay, so two <laughs> things. One, uh, see, this is why I write shit down. One, uh, you, see, okay, so after watching the movie, and really, I was thinking about it last night, um, you, I, I could really tell, now that you've said it, uh, this makes sense to me, because, um, I wouldn't say that it was choppy in its storyline, um, because obviously we had time jumps and stuff like that. However, knowing that this was probably originally written as a television episode that they then expanded into a movie. I could tell you right now, <clears throat> the the TV episode probably started with her taking around the time she took the potion through the fight scene with the two women and then probably ended wherever that with him, like fixing them both up and something, because I felt like that was like the main point of, of the movie even though it wasn't the climax of the movie. Does that make sense?
1: If if I know what you're saying. So if the Crypt Keeper had been telling the story, it would have got to the point where he was fixing them both up, and they would have been cackling in the background, and Ernest would have been shown there, poor, you know, like, Ernest, like, you know, uh, sweating as he's, like, trying to, you know, uh, keep these... Women, you know, um, perfect or whatever, right? Harkening back to the fact that he was a plastic surgeon, a very good one, so he's right. just doing the same thing he was doing before, but now for dead, for dead bodies, basically. And cut to the Crypt Keeper, you know, making a snarky what comment about, about, you know, about uh, the the uh, trying to, you know, stay beautiful, uh, you know, uh, keep your ghoulish figure or something. You know, how he is, you know. Right.
3: I would so agree- you- I would agree with that, but. I have to add something. Ernest is gonna die, so I think the ending of the crypt of tales from the crypt would be them finding Ernest dead, or he had killed himself, and now they don't have a way to take care of themselves. And that, that could
1: have went that way. Yeah, could have went that way. That or them yeah. forcing
3: Ernest to take the potion, and now he's in his own personal hell. Right, but but now,
2: and I say that because that might have been the episode that they expanded on yeah. that whoever actually expanded from a television show runtime to a movie runtime was fucking amazing because they ended up layering in so many things mm-hmm. before and after. Right. Right they made him a plastic surgeon that then after he married Madeline's working on famous dead people to make them look right. Right. Which just played right into how he ended up having to do Madeline and, right. and Helen. Like there were just so many details that they said, okay, we've got this main part and to make this all flow, like we're going to add stuff before and after. So that's, it made a lot more sense after you said that it was probably an expanded. Oh yeah. Um, tv episode because it didn't quite feel choppy but it didn't quite flow like you could you could pinpoint the acts throughout the movie Mm -hmm. that normally you can't do that and normally you can't do that in a tv show too because but usually between the act breaks you have a commercial right so it doesn't it doesn't feel like you have a a definite end to an act break because you go right into a commercial so you can take a breath and blah 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 but in a movie they don't have those so I think that's why it felt like that so that's the second thing is uh just about the story is you said something about you could argue about the like it had a feminist bent yeah and how uh you know women are viewed but I think if you stop and think about it and I think this is true nowadays too uh but I think if you stop and think about how um the women in the movie is viewed it's by other women
3: yes 100 right? we do because, it to ourselves and to each other
2: absolutely because at the beginning of the movie Ernest is with helen and she's so-called frumpy right yeah but he loves her he's gonna marry her then he sees madeline who we know in her Uh, in her dressing room is terrified that she looks old and she's got wrinkles and she wants you know to look beautiful and young again but when Ernest sees her for the first time his words are she's sensational he thinks she's amazing to the point where he drops his fiancee and then marries her it's only the way that one, we view each other, we view ourselves as women, but two, we worry about what other women see us as. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of, kind of interesting.
1: I would, I would even argue that Ernest has, uh, uh still loves and appreciates, uh, you know, Madeline even in their, you know, the later on, I mean, whenever they're obviously having issues, the only reason he's got to the point of being a drunk and he's being like, you know, uh, and, and doesn't have as much to do with her is because she has pushed him away. Right. You know? um, Well, and also
2: he also kept that picture of Helen. So he still has feelings for both of these women.
1: And I mean, it's not like he, he wasn't attracted to her because I mean he, you know, he still cared. It was just the fact that, he he probably knew that she was cheating on him. I mean, there was no way that he did not the way she was going around with these younger men trying to get a little bit of glory for herself in her own eyes. Oh, and- well, he
2: did, because even when Helen, when she was talking to him in the house and she said something about her boy toys or something like that. And he said, you know about that? And she's oh, like, He yeah. knows about that. So he fucking knew. Yeah,
1: yeah. So see, like, I mean, even though he was, a, you know, not, I mean, they were, they were, he was apart from her. She was the one that was making the division. I mean, she, and she was berating him and all this other stuff. She was the one pushing him away. He was still, he was still there with her regardless of all that. Yeah, he couldn't right. left, you know? Um. So, I mean, it, it says a lot in the movie about like the fact that she, uh, was so caught up in, I mean, you know, what others thought that, you know, and, and, he, did, and he obviously didn't care because he, he's never shown us cheating on her except whenever, and even whenever uh, Helen comes back, he's he's cautious about it. He doesn't jump right into her arms. Yeah. He's like, I don't think we should do this, you know, and then uh, she pushes it, and then, of course, he's, you know, been so long probably neglected that it, then then it goes in that realm, but, like, he's, he's still got... Uh, Some resistance even then, and that shows to me that he was still caring about Madeline, even though she had just given up on him.
2: Well, it's interesting that you say, um, well, hold on, I lost the thought. Hold on, hold on, hold on. God damn it, it was good,
4: too.
1: The resistance part of it, or...
2: Whatever, I'm on um, cold medicine.
3: So. <laughs>
1: uh, you, you'll probably think of it. It'll be one of those things where something will trigger and it'll come back. Did so. you okay. guys know
3: that Ernest is a German name with the meaning "battle to the death"? I did not know that.
2: Say hello to Leo, people.
3: Hi, Leo. Hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So anything – well, did your did your idea come back? Oh, no. You're right now be, about the story, like what past. you will say about it? Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Okay, so uh, you said she was so caught up in what um, other people thought of her, right? Yes. And if you stop and think about when Helen and Madeline finally fight it out and come to terms and they admit why they've been after each other, it's because Madeline thought – that Helen thought she was cheap. Ah, yes. Yeah. That's the only reason why she always went after Helen's men. And it was just to get back from her. And that went all the way back to when they were kids and she overheard a conversation, right? So not only did she go after Helen to get back at her for thinking she was cheap, but if you stop and think about, the whole entire rest of her life was her trying to prove to everyone around her that she wasn't cheap. she had to have the most expensive this and the most expensive that. Nothing was a knockoff. Everything was brand name because she wasn't cheap.
1: That's... That's a very good observation yeah. because she's, she's always, I mean, throughout the entire movie, she's trying to prove to everybody that she deserves the the very best and that she has the very best. And it all goes back to that uh, insecurity that she's operating from. Yep. Um, uh, as far as the acting goes, I mean, I, everybody does great in this movie. I mean, like we even said, I, even the doctor for that little bit of a scene that they get, they get, uh, he's just the perfect,
4: Yeah.
1: you know, uh way into the movie um the only ones who don't really like have any parts but you can't fault them because they're just there for i guess the visuals or whatever is the the guys that are surrounding lyle like they're just oh yeah just, you know they look like somebody went out and hired some uh you know guys from uh, a strip club or something <laughs> like <laughs> they really cut. did yeah uh, chippendales oh. it's like we got some chippendales actors coming you know guys in here
2: and you know what? This is another way that you could tell this is an old movie was the fucking hairy chest. Oh. <laughs> like everybody had a hairy chest. I was like, what the hell? <laughs>
1: Um, I'm surprised. I mean, uh, that there wasn't uh, more. Uh, it, it's just funny when you go back and watch all these older movies. Like people, and and I'm, I guess mostly because I were I watched the uh, Cemetery Man, but like uh, that more people weren't smoking in these movies. Because uh, oh, when yeah. you go back, you watch certain movies, like they're everybody's chain smoking in most. Oh of
2: my gosh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't think there's I don't think to, there's one actor in the movie that's really doing that. But they have
3: to preserve their think... bodies. And I know like Bruce Willis could technically be smoking. He's more of a drinker though in this film.
1: Yeah, he's um, they got him as a booze hound in
2: this.
3: But the rest of them are on a mission to preserve themselves and smoking is not how you would do that.
2: You, I, you know what? That's a really good point that I didn't even think of.
3: I mean but I don't know if that was a thing in the in the early 90s cuz this was 94 which means it was made earlier than that. I don't know if that was a thing quite yet or when did the the like the smoking ads come out?
1: They were out by this time okay. I feel like. They 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 were pushing that quite a bit by this point.
2: Yeah, but I like the fact Reyna, that you said that Like, because it plays into this movie, whether it was meant to or not, the fact that they wouldn't be smoking. Because, like you said, if Mm -hmm. they're trying to preserve this perfectness, anything that would take away from the outer perfection that people would see, right? This is another thing. It's the perfection that people see versus what's going on inside you, right? You can be an alcoholic because you can't see the damage, but you wouldn't smoke or go out in the sunlight because you know she's always wearing the sunglasses and the you know covering her hair yeah. and all got that. Got
1: got like an umbrella to protect herself against the sunlight. Yeah, and all that so stuff. this would yeah.
2: that would be that would play perfectly into not wanting to mess up what people see. God dang, that's good, girl.
3: And everyone else is still alive. Like they're old, old as shit, but they're still alive technically. Madeline and Helen are dead because they died. Died brutally right you know right so yes they're right off much the bat faster. they messed up <laughs> oh yeah like literally which one um who was helen oh helen was uh goldie hawn yes yeah. okay she so,
1: she had she had had that done though for a decade about more, a decade right yeah
3: madeline on the other hand a day two days
1: one day one, one day. day
3: she's had a day of youth and then perfection yeah quote unquote gone gone in a day uh,
1: that that fall she has off the steps is like almost like uh straight out of like a looney tunes
3: cartoon, oh yeah
1: because she's sitting there and like there's no way that she could have been balanced with her heels the way she was
2: <laughs> for that Which, long yeah oh, oh and then how he just she says that one, see and this is another thing she says that one harsh comment and he goes from oh i should help her to boop
4: ding yeah,
1: One little push on. and she right? just, just like Bugs Bunny, like barely pushing like Elmer Fudd and he falls, you know. And
2: then at the very end where he's, he's got that potion to his lips, he's about to drink it. And again, she makes that one harsh comment and goes, it. you
3: know what?
1: Fuck you, <laughs> you <Yeah.
3: laughs> know. You're not the boss of me, bitch. Yep.
1: And then that f- the final scene though in the in the in the church whenever they're at his funeral is just perfect. I mean they're sitting there oh. cackling, everybody's <laughs> like looking around like who are these fucking bitches that are just in the back, you know?
3: You catch Daphne and I at y'all's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> he With was the such veils a- so that we can snicker behind him. <laughs> he was such an honorable man; would never make a crude comment to date his life us in the background. Like- <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that time (laughs) yeah
1: um and then the i mean but other than the chippendale actors there's really nobody and then the extras they got to play like the dead celebrities everybody else who's a main actor does their part oh yeah i mean
2: a plus all around
1: uh and then the music It, it doesn't stand out as much but the music is really good because it's got that it's that real like uh, type of music you'd, you would have seen in like the old black yeah. and white Universal Monsters movies oh, going along obvious. with the gothic theme, you know? I thought just... the music
3: was actually, I thought it did stand out because the music really brought to life what was going on. It, it exuded excitement and fear and, you know, all these different tension really at the appropriate times. I don't think this movie, again, we talked about it before, I think that it really accentuated. Yes, there was great actors, there was a great storyline, there's great visuals. So, You know, but the music on top of that, like you, that is a one hundred percent. Without the music, you are only at seventy five percent. You know, yeah. And I'll
2: I'll have to agree with you because I was sitting here as you were talking, and I was like, because I was thinking, I was like, no, nothing really stood out. But that actually should be a positive point, exactly (laughs) because. Because it did exactly what you said, Raina, and it made you feel the emotions and it brought things up uh, you know as you're mm-hmm. watching these actors in this scene. However, it wasn't to the point where it stood out and it drew your attention away what was going on, yeah, so I think you're right. I think I think because of that, because it didn't stand out, um yeah, i I think it was God dang, a hundred percent on the music, too, yeah.
1: Well, the only reason I say that it doesn't stand out is because Alan Silvestri made my favorite soundtrack, Back to the Future, of all time. Like when, when you hear that that theme song, the Back to the Future, especially you when know, it, you know what movie it's from. Like even when they played it in Ready Player One, like the little instrumentals, I, I just got goosebumps. You know, thinking about it. Like <laughs> I mean, I, I love that music, and that's why it doesn't stand out to me because. He, I mean, he, but like, like you said, it does work for the movie, even though it's not like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, make this movie like, you know, there, there's not one piece of the score you could say if you heard it like outside of the movie, all oh, mm-hmm. that obviously comes from death becomes her. Right. The, uh, it does work within the context of the movie to add to the scenes themselves. Yeah. Um, now trivia, you're gonna some of these are pretty pretty fun uh this first one I feel bad about (laughs) Meryl Streep accidentally scarred Goldie Hawn's cheek with a shovel during that fight scene
3: Jesus fuck that's
2: crazy (laughs)
3: they were really fighting I guess
2: they weren't prop shovels they were real shovels Mm -hmm. and they were like go at it girls
1: even if they were prop shovels apparently it was still enough to where (laughs) like she slipped and you know and and the, and you know that has... To, I mean, just think about where Goldie Hawn was at in her... Like, I mean, this was not, like, past her prime. This was her prime. And, like, oh, yeah. she got... And to get a scar on her cheek, like, I oh, mean, no. that, you know, that that's a big thing for a Hollywood actress. Oh, you know?
2: is this why Is this why she didn't act as much? Is there really and truly a feud between her and Meryl Streep now? <laughs> Are we getting down to the juicy bits?
3: She was mad as know. hell.
1: <laughs> I, madder in hell. I don't think... I don't think that that I don't know that there was anything like that. I don't no, think there's in any of this. But um, uh, this was the first film that used photorealistic human skin software, though. Getting wow. back to the you know talking about the CGI and how it looked like it was, and and it and it is, and and it's a good point because I seriously thought that that was a makeup effect and not CGI. So oh, there yeah you go. They did.
3: They done. Well, did. And you know what?
2: You know what's funny is, um, you said that, and now I'm thinking about the scenes and. Even if someone was to say, like, say this movie came out nowadays and they were like, oh, well, you know, that's CGI. You can really tell that it's CGI because she looks like a Barbie, right? Plastic skin. But that's kind of the point, though, mm-hmm. is they they wanted to look like the perfect Barbie skin. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it would have. uh well even i mean it's funny because uh, even the barbie movie would have probably been better if they would have went the plastic route but they didn't even do that in that movie for some oh of my people. god
2: like, that's a good too. point <laughs> <laughs> like barbie world and then real world oh, that would be yeah. great
1: yeah like if Margot Robbie i mean uh, which somebody pointed out i mean not this review of that movie but just something that i, I thought was funny uh if she, she's supposed to represent like you know the uh like when she goes to the real world, like, Oh, this, uh, it's it, something about like, she's not beautiful or anything. It's Margot Robbie. I, you're not, you're, you picked the wrong person for that. Now if they would have, <laughs> right. if they would have, if, now if they would have had it like this, cause originally Amy Schumer was Ugh. supposed to be Barbie. Yeah, exactly. If, if Barbie would have went from her reality, looking like Margot Robbie to the normal world, and she looked like Amy Schumer, then you would have had a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but if they were to just, I don't know, plasticize their faces or something while they were in Barbie World a little bit more, that would have made more sense as far as context of that movie. But anyways.
3: Well, it's funny because there's makeup effects like that now. <laughs> People want that glowy, dewy looking skin that has shine on it. Where back in the day, we wanted that matte, you know. All that powder. Yes.
1: Well, and then you also think about some of these TikTok uh, uh, girls or whatever that try to go for that anime look, and it looks artificial because it's supposed uh, to, you yes, know? Yes, yeah. Um, it's weird, but it's a thing. Um, in the opening scene, uh, Meryl Streep's character is starring in a musical version of Sweet Bird of Youth from 1962, a play by Tennessee Williams, about an aging actress who pines for her lost youth.
3: Oh, that's damn. damn. Attention
2: <laughs> to detail, man. See, that's what I'm telling you from start to end. It's just magic uh
1: this film won the oscar for best visual effects defeating batman returns and alien 3 wow the batman returns one that hurts that hurts a lot
2: (laughs) yeah but after seeing this movie can you not agree
1: kind of the cgi was pretty damn good but then also michelle pfeiffer was really damn good so i'm just saying
2: i don't think michelle
3: pfeiffer had a lot of cgi going. yeah no she
1: didn't she didn't need it she had a lot of leather
3: going on but not cgi (laughs) alien three had a lot going on i'm surprised
1: well yeah but i feel like alien three had the uh it, it it was almost an example of like bad visual effects yes, for the time because yep. they, they fucked that movie over whenever it was yeah. released. I mean, well, there was not
2: a- not only that you have to remember the first Alien had way more practical effects mm-hmm. yeah. and some CGI, and they made the mistake that a lot of movies and a lot of franchises do: is the further they long, the further they go along, they're like, oh, we'll just do CGI, and they they slow down or they stop on the the practical effects, and it really shows.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, and also, I mean, even with without that, they they made the bulk of the movie to save on the effects budget. They made it in, like, this one, like, monotone, like, prison-looking setting or whatever. Mm. So that really took away from the visuals, which probably threw it over the other ones. Yeah. But having said that, in Batman Returns, I will say this, the, the effects work that, that they did to make Gotham itself. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then the Penguin. That was pretty good visual effects. Just Did throwing
2: it know.
3: out there for them. Well, this yeah, one and won. you know
2: what? <laughs> we have to remember at, at this time, this was visual effects. It didn't. It wasn't necessarily like. Special effects, Mm-mm. right? That's true. Which I, th- ha- which I think is a big difference between thinking about movies then and thinking about them now.
1: They didn't have a special category. It's like who wins the best award for uh, uh, making uh, Captain Marvel actually have a tits and ass in this movie? You know, they didn't have <laughs> right. specific categories for that. So, um, this film was originally going to be a sequel to Tales from the Crypt from 1972. <laughs> the latter film was a favorite Halloween classic of director Robert Zemeckis when he was a young man. Wow. So you could, you
2: could tell the influences, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it went back to EC Comics. I mean, completely in, yep. the, in the tone. Uh, Bruce Willis was re- uh, replaced Kevin Klein as Ernest. I don't know that. I,
3: what do you think? What? Kevin, what, I could did, see Kevin think? Klein as Ernest, but he would be amazing as Ernest. I'm just glad it was Bruce Willis, though, because of oh, yeah. where I Bruce mean, is at now. And I mean, I really do love that fucking Ned Flanders effect. I I do
2: because. Oh man, because look, Kevin Klein would have like it was almost like this role would have been written for him.
1: Exactly. Yes. It would have fit with his top that he would he played it around then. So But I, I, mean, I yeah. think
2: I think you're right, Reyna. But by putting Bruce Willis in this role, it it made it funnier. Mm-hmm.
3: It it worked. Because you wouldn't expect that from I think back then, like as a kid, I would have been like, Bruce Willis? Like, isn't he? like an action star you wouldn't expect this this was so like a complete opposite you know 180 from what he normally does right
1: and and it i liked it for the fact that it allowed bruce willis to exercise his comedy chops which Mm -hmm. he did have in moonlighting it was just him circling back to it you know after years of just being the action guy you know Uh, Showing
2: showing that he didn't have to be typecast he could still do it yeah
1: yeah i mean and I mean, and there's humor in the in uh, the Die Hard movies. There is. I mean, right. it's it's just not the kind of humor that you get in this. Right. Uh, during the description of the plot to kill Madeline, there was a quick shot of the folder being stamped "Case Closed" at a desk. Also on the desk was a brain in a glass jar labeled "Abnormal," a tribute to the original <laughs> Frankenstein oh my or God. to spoof Young Frankenstein from 1974.
3: I love it. So many what details. Was the-
1: I love that uh, in Frankenstein, he's like, what was the name of the person you got this from? Abby? Abby, Abby Normal? Normal?
4: <laughs> uh-huh. I will not
2: be angry.
1: <laughs> uh, the film has often been said to be like an extended episode of Tales from the Crypt by fans of the show, especially considering that director Robert Zemeckis had produced the show while he concurrently directed this film. Yeah. Then, oh, that's funny. You know, going back to that, uh, Isabella Rosalini revealed on the David Letterman show that she had nothing on but a sarong and necklaces for her character of Lyle.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, we know. Oh no, shit, Sherlock. Did yeah. you see the same movie that I saw? <laughs> but you
3: don't say.
1: Uh, animatronic puppets of Meryl Streep's head were created and used to shoot the scene where a resurrected Madeline confronts Ernest. The effect didn't look right in the shot. Ultimately, they used CGI instead.
3: Okay, I mean, oh, okay. So that
2: goes back to what we were saying about where the head and the body met.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, okay. and uh, I think there's something else about her walking backwards in this too, if I remember right. So we'll get to that eventually. Uh, the trailer features the theme from Tales from the Crypt 1989 by Danny
3: Elfman. Oh shit! I okay, didn't, I did not know he did the theme.
2: <laughs> That's what I was going to say. So two things: one, I didn't understand or I didn't realize that they used the Tales from the Crypt uh theme but also danny elfman it,
1: it, if you if you think back to the tales from the crypt theme that fits that it would be danny elfman yes. because it's got it's got that beat to it it's you know the, like the beetlejuice theme does you know that yeah uh, it, even the time that it's kept in the in the song is mm, similar yeah. um, that's,
2: that's an awesome fact
1: uh thanks to the technological advancements of this film industrial light magic used some of the same techniques for jurassic park
2: wow that's awesome, and didn't they win for?
1: I believe they did. Yeah. Visual
2: effects, yeah.
3: Damn. Yeah, because they were the right next to too. each other.
2: And and here's the thing that people talk about with um, with uh, Jurassic Park is that their effects still stand up.
1: hundred oh, yeah. percent. That first, I, I still argue to this day, there was no reason to make any other movie but the original Jurassic Park. All right. the rest of them are kind of garbage after that. Yep. Yeah. Um. I just find it funny that this little movie, little horror comedy movie, uh, you know, it, it got advanced, uh, you know, visual effects that led to Jurassic Park. A little other movie that we covered in Ghost Season called The Frighteners uh, <laughs> was the technology they used to make Lord of the Rings.
2: Oh, yeah. No way.
1: way. <laughs> yep. Same technology.
2: Love it. See, horror movie, the horror genre just pushes the envelope all around. I, and it I, doesn't get the love that it deserves.
1: Well, it, it does it the by the fans in the box office because any t- you notice anytime a studio starts doing badly, they put out a cheap horror movie. Yep. And it usually does a, a great and money recently. to fund something else.
2: Well, because horror I, I, is relatively cheap to make versus oh yeah a, a lot of the other genres. And so you get something that has a good story and is relatively cheap to make. And you can make some bank on that,
1: but they always forget it. Like they 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 put it like in the ghetto of like the the genres. It's the,
2: it's the redheaded stepchild of movies. Hey,
3: <laughs> soon to be replaced by a person of color.
1: Yeah, only to be replaced by a marvel of color. Yeah. Oh. Uh, after Kevin Klein dropped out of the film and turned down the role of Ernest Minville, Jeff Bridges auditioned for the role. Bridges was turned down. I'm no. so glad.
3: Um, yeah, that, that, that would
1: have not worked. No. no.
3: I mean, <laughs> I, don't get
2: me wrong. I love Jeff Bridges. That, no. Yeah. He would have played it too straight. I, I love
1: Jeff Bridges, but one thing that, that he's kind of got on my nerves with a little bit in recent years is his cowboy voice is really mumbly, and there's something about it that irks me. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know if you've seen Hell or High Water, but it's the same voice that he used to play uh, Rooster Cogburn in the the remake to, oh, uh, to that movie, and yeah. uh, and and it, it's a real mumbly Southern accent. I, I just I, I don't know. There's just something about it. I'm just like, come on, Jeff, do something else. He could play Kentucky better.
3: Fried. He could play the Colonel for Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> 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 Why? Because he never speaks. No, well, that too. But like, uh, he's. A lot of his Texas, he's been wearing, or not Texas suits, he's been wearing lately. look like very kernel is all I'm saying.
2: That's funny. <laughs> uh,
1: originally in the script, other celebrities, some of whom were living at the time of production, were supposed to appear at Lyle's party. Those celebrities include George Harrison and Dick Clark.
3: Oh, that would have been cool.
2: That would have been amazing, especially since, like, didn't Dick Clark, like, live to be, like, 150 or something?
1: Yeah, he and he didn't really seem to age after a certain point, which nope. would have been perfect.
4: Dude.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Bruce Willis suggested two ideas for the title of the film. These choices were It's Death, Baby, and My Man Death. Ultimately, Death Becomes Her was And I'm He's glad chosen. they did that. Yeah,
3: those are, those are terrible.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think they were good either. I'm just like, what are you thinking, Bruce? Come on. <laughs> no. Uh, this is Mary Ellen Trainer's third uh, time in a film directed by Robert Zemeckis. The other films that Trainer starred in were *Romancing the Stone*, *Back to the Future Part 2, and *Forrest Gump*. Uh, Trainer and Z- Zemeckis were married for twenty years during the period that these films were made. Wow,
2: so, that's good to, awesome.
1: Good to be uh, married to the director, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the potion is depicted in the film as a pink ethereal essence. In the original script, however, it was described as a thick gray mercury-like liquid. Uh, I think that uh, the thick gray liquid would have almost been better because it would have depicted, like, just how, like, almost like the corruption they were taking on by you know accepting it. But, but the pink makes sense for the life part of it, yeah.
2: Well, and I think also from just from the visual effects, I think it would be harder to make the gray liquid
1: kind of like murky, mercury mercury mm-hmm. looking fluid.
2: yeah or or to pop off screen right because every time that that potion bottle comes on screen like it's almost a focal point
3: oh yeah it's vitality it's in that, a bottle
2: yeah e- even even when you know the two characters are talking and it's just off to the side but it's still on screen it is a focal point because of that color so i kind of i kind of like the fact that they changed it
1: they, they probably did it for that reason just the the probably the the uh, the person who's over the visuals was looking at it, the cinematographer, and he was just like, we need this to pop, so let's change, make it look like this. Speaking yeah. of
3: popping, Reverend, the woman behind you is wearing the purple, you know, over, uh, I, I don't want to call it a robe because it hardly covers anything, but yeah. in the movie it was white. Like they, colors make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and, and the fact that they make Goldie Hawn's, like, hair, like, bright red, her mm-hmm. outfit was bright red, like, there's a lot of, like, color in this movie. Oh, for to sure. To offset the fact that whenever they, once they're dead, they become very pale, very, like, corpse-like, you yeah.
2: know? Okay, so two points about that that Leo pointed out to me, again, Leo and his little IMDB oh, God. stuff going on. So... Uh. What he said, or what he found online, was that uh, Zemeckis actually modeled Goldie Hawn's outfit, the red dress and the hair, oh, after Jessica, Jessica Rabbit, Rabbit mm-hmm. from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I was like, yes. I can that, see that.
1: That makes sense, and that might, and I think I might have even read that on on this or whatever, uh, doing the trivia search or whatever that they that there was a, a th- that that this was made like the third time that Zemeckis like is one of his signatures. He had like a beautiful head and like you know or whatever in his movies because he and he had done that in another movie besides Who Framed Roger Rabbit as well. So, well,
2: and the other thing too is you were talking about how you know the women go you know before death and after death and i thought it was really interesting that if you look at bruce willis and how how he's uh his makeup is done um all the way up to the point where you see that him and madeline are not getting along he looks alive and b- vibrant and pink-cheeked and everything like that. But from that point on, he almost looks like a corpse. Yeah,
4: His he's skin, very
1: pale. <laughs>
2: Yeah, very sickly looking and stuff like that. And I just thought it was such a juxtaposition that between someone who was fake, like Madeline and Helen, uh, and they looked healthy but they were dead, and someone who was – alive oh but yeah sickly. i i just thought it was such a cool way that they did
3: oh they pointed that. out in the movie too like they they had hoped he had taken the potion at this point and they see him in the crowd and they're like "Ugh, he looks like shit He's like shit yes oh i loved it
1: that is true they do point that out and like uh and then only his hand had been affected because she dropped it on his hand and it yeah turned yep. back uh, the three main characters, as we have said, are a play on the words, uh, or, or you know, shortened down Mad Earn and Hale, because it's Madeline, Ernest, and Helen. So Mad and Hale is what basically that <laughs> uh, you know amounts to, which is pretty That's funny. I,
2: I always love those little—I don't know if you'd call them Easter eggs or what—but yeah. I always love those tiny little details like that. That uh, this movie or any other movie that you pick up and you're like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs>
1: Or you, or you don't realize it, and then somebody puts that, and you're like, "Oh my god, you're right? right! It's, it's, it. That's a thing in this movie."
2: I, I love a smart writer like that.
1: Yeah, that, that does it. Like, make it blatant and just kind of throws it in there for you to discover. You know. Yep. Uh, even though her character Madeline Ashton is portrayed as fifty or over uh, throughout most of the film, Meryl Streep was in fact forty three when she shot this this movie. Damn. But. Even at 43, she doesn't look like Mm -mm, it, I don't think. Not even.
2: I I would have said, like, 38. Uh,
1: This is even stranger to me. Uh, Helen, played by Goldie Hawn, is portrayed as 50, but she was 46 uh, in reality. I Uh, never
2: would have thought she was older than Meryl mm Streep.
1: No, Uh, because she looked better in this movie
4: (laughs)
3: than Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep has always had kind of a mature look to her face. Some women just have that. Mm. I think, you know, and I
2: think it's the, I think it's the cheeks for Goldie Hawn. It gives her that younger, not baby fat, but you know what I'm talking like before you yeah. really yeah. hit like your mid twenties and your face thins, you still have that, that bit of a, yeah. a
3: youthfulness like the, to you.
1: Um, I'm blanking her name from uh, the mask or whatever Uh, that in oh I mean, Cameron Diaz. Yeah yeah it, she she had the baby fat in the mask and and looked gorgeous, and then like after that dropped a ton of weight and then got that facial thinning and then look and it aged her because of it so. so
3: showing my weight mostly in my face is a good thing is what you're saying, yeah, you looked
2: not childish yeah but you looked,
3: it, yeah. It look you out- look
2: younger <laughs> <laughs>
1: Youthful,
3: uh, we'll go yeah. with youthful
1: right uh yeah we don't want to go into the hollywood's other upset oh god uh lyle von reumann uh had or isabella rosalini has 12 minutes total screen time in this whole entire film and I'm wasn't it
2: wonderful much. every 12 minutes of it
1: yeah i mean that goes to show you that she stands out obviously yeah. i mean in the movie
2: you know and here's the thing this movie had a thing with butts yeah
1: <laughs> it does
2: we she- saw a lot of cheek
3: we did. She, we saw all her cheeks. They they were tiny cheeks, but you know what? Whatever. They're cute, and hey, show them off, girl, while they're in their glory. You know. <laughs> uh,
1: according to the original screenplay, Madeline's lover was a Latin cabana boy named Marcelo. did look
3: Latin <laughs> see, at all, and I can see
2: that because even though they might have changed that, in you know, into the final, final movie, um, when she goes to see him, it does kind of look like he's she snuck off to the pool house you know oh, with yeah the and everything like that yeah it,
1: it does kind of look like that uh Jennifer Jason Lee was considered for the role of Helen Sharp
2: I don't even know who that is
1: <sighs> she if, if I'm thinking right she is the actress that was in a lot of um I, it was either I want to say it was in Cronenberg's movies um oh Jesus uh, she, but she's I mean at the time or er, she was uh actually I mean uh I did watch a movie with her in it recently she was in X to Stins. this was the name of the movie she was in uh and she would have been an interesting character she was also I think uh did you watch the hateful eight with Kurt mm-hmm. Russell in it
2: no she's like a Kira Knight, uh, not Kira Knightley uh Kevin Bacon's wife Kira Sedgwick knockoff
1: yeah she I don't know i I think that they Goldie Hawn was a better pick in my opinion but yeah I, I agree mean, s- still. Uh, renowned critics, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, oh, let, God. Oh, let's see what they had to say. Gave this a thumbs down. Of course they did. Stating that the visual effects were great, but it lacked any real substance or character depth. The what, fucking, fucking what movie smoking? did
3: they watch?
2: I was going to say, did we just spend an hour talking about the depth of these characters and the details that they put in there to show these things?
1: Listen, I don't know how those, though. The, they are the start of the reason why I've never trusted critics. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. Like, they hate all the movies that are fun uh, just because they're like, oh, there, there's too much graphic horror in this, or graphic, you know, like, okay, okay, mom and dad, that's fine. But then, <laughs> but dad. then they turn around and then, like, a movie that actually has a little bit more to it, like this one, they're like, I don't really see anything to it. Uh, there was a bunch of women yakking, and uh, we don't like that, uh, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Uh, even though the film deals with undead people, the word zombie wait, is wait, never can mentioned. can I just
2: can, can I just say something real quick on the Robert and uh, Ebert Gene, Siskel
1: and, and Roger Ebert? Yeah,
2: Siskel and Ebert. It's probably because it's horror. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah
1: they, they don't they like horror. It. Yeah. Well, except for Poltergeist. they they love that, Which or at mean- least uh, Ebert, Ebert did. I, I hate to take that back. Siskel hated poltergeist. Okay.
3: But, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah so it's horror and a bunch of women yakking so yeah they hated it
1: yeah <laughs> i mean two, two things that they did not care about women why do you guys hate movies. women
2: because <laughs> they couldn't get any
3: Ooh. exactly <laughs> uh
1: but this is a movie with zombies but they don't call them that one of those types. They,
3: they never do. That, i've only heard the word zombie in one film we are going to be reviewing it here shortly
1: and they mention it a lot in that yes. movie, which is funny. So so can I uh, just
3: say I, I really appreciate
2: you guys letting me jump in on this because I've been very jealous of some of the episodes you guys have done because I don't watch a lot of horror, and sometimes you guys would come out with movies that I've actually seen in the horror genre. And so I was like, oh, I want to do one. And they were like, we're doing zombies. And I was like, well, does Death Becomes Her count? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Yes, it does." And I was like, "Woo!" <laughs>
3: we just get like so ne- I, every season I appreciate season, it. Oh, we, you know, we love having you on. We every season we'll just be like, "Okay, this is the season we're going to be doing." And if you have a movie you want to jump in on that you think would go with that season, tell us because usually Listen.
1: <laughs> uh, listen i have a feeling that human horror would have a lot of movies that she's seen like <gasps> the hand that rocks the cradle the good sun there's a lot yeah. of movies out there that would i'm sorry you
2: said you said human horror and i went straight to centipede and yeah, i was like fuck no i don't
1: that's that's Uranus. that's that's <laughs> not me I, i'm <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that whatsoever. No.
3: <laughs> it's just so rare that I have a movie that he hasn't seen or he doesn't want to see that I see. And now seen. you have to do it. I don't know. I mean, it'll only be my second time because it's one of those films that I'm like, I never really want to watch this again. I don't have any interest, but then it's for the show. So it's like, here we go. Yeah. Well, I,
2: I got to say, I realized the other day after after we had picked this, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I think when I actually saw this the last time, it was on cable TV. And you know how they, like, edit it? Yes. Not only for runtime, but for graphic stuff. And I was worried that this was going to be way worse because I had, so for another example, I had watched Roadhouse on cable television. Oh, shit. And then when I watched it, Like, for real, for real. The scene where he rips the
1: guy's throwdown?
2: Yes! I lost my shit. I was like, oh, my God, what just happened? Right? Because it's just a throwaway line when you watch it on cable. And so I was really kind of worried that this one was going to be way worse. But it wasn't. It was great. I still love it.
1: Uh, now I love this little tidbit. During filming, Robert zemeckis would start each take by saying, "Hold on to your butts." <laughs> David Kemp, David Kemp remembered this and put it in Jurassic Park.
2: Oh, that's yeah. amazing! <laughs>
1: uh, this film p- takes place over the course of fifty-one years. It starts <gasps> out in nineteen seventy-eight, oh, yeah. and the final time that you see Helen and, and Madeline, it's twenty twenty-nine
2: so they can actually be out there still somewhere still,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah they're still out there living their best undead life right now so uh helen drinks the potion on october 22nd 1985 this should make uh anybody who's seen back to the future kind of perk up because that is the exact date that marty is considered in the present whenever he goes back to the you know to oh,
2: oh that's awesome <laughs>
1: Uh, one of the early drafts of the script had Lyle uh, being over 100 years old instead of 71. It was also implied that she was she has pandered her potion to several historical figures throughout the ages with varying results. Another draft had Lyle being Cleopatra, hence the Egyptian-themed box mm. and potion. So there she you go. She had
3: all the look of Cleopatra. She like, really did. We all, now, we all know what Cleopatra was actually European or she was,
1: Greek. Uh, Greek. Greek. There yeah. we go.
3: Yep. And that she was pale.
1: Not according to Netflix, oh, though. So.
2: <laughs> okay. So actually what's funny is um with the early drafts of the script having her being over a hundred, so I was actually shocked when she said seventy one. I was expecting her to be like hundred and twenty five or whatever. Yeah. And then she said seventy one and wow. I was like
1: I, would say, I was expecting her to be like several hundred years old. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, you know.
3: I mean, it makes uh, sense that she she's wanting to show off and she's still technically alive. And so she's like, I'm 71 years old. But it would have been cool to be like, I'm a hundred and something years old. Because like I said, she is giving Cleopatra vibes big time. They didn't yes. wear fucking shit back in the day. They wore necklaces and sarongs.
2: 'Cause it was hot as shit outside. Yeah. Um,
3: And she had the she had the
2: straight across bangs. mm -hmm. Yeah, she definitely was given those kind of vibes.
1: I don't know if I put this in the, the trivia, but I did remember reading that uh, there when she asked Madeline, like, "Well, how old do you think I am?" You know, which is a loaded question when it comes to women, anyway. <laughs> but then Helen, Helen's like, uh, "I don't think you're a day over like thirty, whatever." She said
2: thirty-eight, and she looked offended. Yes. Well, the
1: reason uh, here's the funny thing. That's the exact age Isabella Rosalini was yes. when she made this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's great. Look at, at this point, at this stage in my life, with everyone trying so hard to not look their age, and I'm guilty of it as well, if somebody says I look my age, thank you. I just don't want to look older than my age. Like, Right? I'm in my 40s. I I
2: earned every one of these freaking days.
3: (laughs) So if you say I look like I'm in my 40s, thank you, but if you tell me I look like I'm over 45, we're going to have a talk. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, among the guests at Lyle's party are Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, Greta Garbo, Elvis Presley, Jim Morrison, and James Dean. Oh, That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm sad the, I
2: didn't catch more of them.
1: Yeah, the Greta Garbo one I didn't see at all. I didn't catch and then, Greta, yeah. And then Andy Warhol might have been like uh, whenever they were just like milling about like in the, you know, yeah. m- while the guy was speaking.
2: You know what's funny, though? Speaking of Andy Warhol, there was in the background of Madeline's house – there was an Andy Warhol painting. You know how it's the four squares with, I think it's Marilyn Monroe in them.
1: That's oh, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. got different colors for each one of them. Okay.
2: Yeah. It's that, but it's Madeline in the Andy Warhol painting.
1: Interesting. I did in not see that. Oh, that's
3: yeah. I did though. too. I did see that.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: Uh, In one of the original proposed endings, Madeline and Helen steal a car from one of the guests at the party uh, in order to chase after Ernest. However, they end up accidentally driving over a cliff and crash into a huge explosion. (laughs) Then Madeline and Helen emerge from the wreckage as charred skeletons. Oh, Oh my God. That would have been the perfect ending to go for the Crypt Keeper to uh, came out. yeah, there you go. Oh, hold on, guys, real quick.
3: Update. Andy Warhol was actually hugging hugging Marilyn Monroe in, in, in the, the scene. yes where where the celebrities were. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: again, you get distracted by the red dress. Yes,
3: and you don't you're like, about, oh, that's yeah. Marilyn. But I was, who's that white haired? It was fucking Andy Warhol.
2: That's nice. But uh, the them going over a cliff uh, reminds me of um,
1: Thelma and Louise. Yeah, that's it. I was thinking yeah. that
3: too. Another
2: another one with two women
3: and a man. <laughs> uh, wasn't, was, wait, who was in Thelma and Louise? Brad Pitt.
1: Brad Pitt was the man. No, I know, man, he was the man. Uh, who was the two uh, women? Gina Davis. Oh, and, Gina Davis, uh, okay. Yeah uh in one of the early script drafts of the script lyle's main desire was to preserve the world's greatest minds and creative talents for her own interests such figures that she enticed to take the potion were william shakespeare abraham lincoln max factor however like Ernest, they all came to the same conclusion that taking the potion in order to have eternal life is a in a physical, fragile world, is wrong and retaliation. In the Keeper's Secret, Lyle ends up killing them. This would explain why, in the theatrical film, Lyle wanted to capture and possibly kill Ernest after he rejects taking the potion.
2: That's awesome. But that also would explain why she was willing to give it to him for free because she saw.
1: Uh, The skill that he had. With
2: Madeline and Helen. Yeah. And she was like, oh, this is great because now I have all these clients. And if something bad was to happen to them, he could help fix it. And if I give him the potion and he lives forever, he can always fix it.
1: And he will be, he will owe me because he he got it for free. But, you know, nothing's free.
3: Nice. Uh, I like it. Interesting. She wanted Max Factor. To take the, potion. the makeup, the makeup. He's a makeup guru, but he was more yeah. than that. He, he was like a scientist. Wasn't he?
2: That would make sense to do the chemistry behind the makeup.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and that would have played into her wanting like something, to, you know, beauty related or whatever to, yep. to be on her side.
2: Well, uh, and if you think like, you know, William Shakespeare could have written sonnets about her and um, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. There's it. It plays into the fact that she's very narcissistic, you know, uh, in an unreleased deleted scene, Ernest and Madeline's housekeeper, Rose, uh, Nancy fish, uh, arrives at the mansion to get ready for work. When she goes in the kitchen and opens up the freezer, she sees Madeline in there. Madeline says to her, close the door, horrified Rose closes the door, and runs away screaming. This is followed by Ernest getting Madeline out of the freezer and dragging her upstairs.
2: That's hilarious.
1: Uh, and further go with that, there are wait, several. Wait, wait, and
2: can I just say, uh, it wasn't until you started talking about this that I realized that after we see her give Ernest the Bloody Mary for breakfast, we don't ever see her again. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, she she's not in it after that point. Huh. Uh, there are several scenes featured in the trailer that didn't make it into the final cut of the film. One of the scenes is the scene where Ernest takes a frostbitten Madeline out of the freezer and drags her upstairs. And she says, I feel sweaty. He responds, that's not sweat, dear. I think you're defrost."
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those, I'm trying to hold on to reality by pointing out the obvious, but it comes off as freaking hilarious.
1: Yeah, that would have been actually a very good scene in the movie if they had had that. Uh, in the scene where Ernest is spray-painting Madeline's lower body with flesh-colored paint while the phone was wildly ringing due to Helen calling him constantly, off to the side of Ernest among the various item tools he's using to give Madeline a fresh makeover is a vat filled with red liquid. Upon closer inspection, the liquid is Madeline's blood. As a mortician, Ernest is required to drain the blood from his corpses in order to avoid further decomposition and unsanitary occurrences.
2: Gross. Yeah, he basically em-
1: Embalmer. He yeah,
2: <laughs> Yeah, because Helen sees him picking something up and she makes the point or she makes the comment formaldehyde, what the hell, you know? And then you get that nice pan of all of like the hoses and yep. tubes and grossness and.
1: So yeah. that may, so at, you would have to assume that he did the same thing to, to Helen Then right after that, because she would have decomposed like, you know, uh, at a greater rate, uh, if yeah. he hadn't done the same thing to her.
2: Well, um, and notice, notice they never, <laughs> they never actually um, say how he fixed her because she had a fucking hole
1: hole in her stomach, and and he. And had, the next scene. The, the when I saw that scene, my first thought was he did like what taxidermists do, where there's like parts missing from like you know gut shot animals or something, uh, where they like pack it, you know, with that material. Yeah. That, you oh know, my and, god!
2: And the, I didn't think about that.
1: Uh, in the theatrical ending, Ernest's second wife's name is Claire. According to the priest eulogy, this shows the removal of the character of Tony uh, played by Tracy Ullman, Ernest's love interest from the original cut of the film In the original ending, Ernest and Tony would go on to marry and have a happy life together.
3: And she Did would prove him to not be as flaccid as, uh, <laughs> as <laughs> Did Mad we, we ever hear about this Tony? No. Before this fact? No,
1: they, they cut her out of the movie completely for whatever oh, reason. Okay. 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 Uh, well, but it, I'm glad you pointed that out, it. He achieves uh, immortality the right way in this movie. Mm-hmm. I know by children. Yes, which is how you, you know, uh, you know that that's the whole point. Your, you know, your body still lives, or at least part of you still lives in your, you know, your descendants. So yep. I mean, uh, which is o- a oddly prescient uh, thought about Hollywood because they're all about like they they don't. I mean, they, they hate the idea of like having children and, you know, they're all about abortion and all this other stuff. Well, it messes up their body. Yeah, but it's, and, and they're all, and they're very, very concerned about trying to preserve themselves, you know, like physically, but you know, if they would just devote themselves to their children, They, you know, that that's where they should put their effort into.
2: But also notice where that sentiment come from, right? You just spent the last however long in this movie watching these narcissistic people trying to perfect themselves and keep their perfection going. But at the very end, and to live forever, and at the very end, it was the voice of the priest... Yep. That pointed out that he found immortality and that he will live on forever yeah. in his family and children. Exactly. And that and and it's funny because when he makes that comment about he found the secret uh to immortality, the women are about to walk out. Yeah, And they pause and turn around and then he is able we it, it's pointed uh, you know, done on purpose, that he gets the moment to have camera on him and say those words. And then you can just see how you would hope, you would hope that someone who'd been through 50 whatever years of this crap of of the maintaining and, you know, this is taken, you know, to wild extremes, but someone would hear that and it would click and make sense. But for them and their narcissistic ways, they go <laughs> blah, 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 <laughs> turn around and walk out. Right. Love but love. but the, totally ignore it. The yeah. whole point in the movie is that little two minute scene right there where he talks about he found love. He found, you know, the secret to immortality and the fountain of youth. It would be in his in his family and children.
1: And Siskel and Ebert look at this movie and say there's nothing going on at whatsoever in it. Like blah, they they, blah, don't, they don't watch movies. They uh, really don't.
2: No, <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Uh, in the original script, Madeline and Helen end up doing a lot of physical damage to one another during the fight. After they had reconciled and went to Ernest, like in the film, they greet him at the doorway, casting their shadows in his room. However, their shadows in the script were described as horrible, misshapen shadows. Ew. That would have been cool because yeah. it of that more to the horror aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Although although to him trying to fix that would have been a probably a Herculean task. Yeah. <laughs> uh madeline was mocked and chastised uh, has mocked and chastised Ernest for being impotent yet ironically as the evidence as we said by his eulogy uh when he later remarries and quits drinking he ends up having a total of six kids uh which are two sons and four daughters this is incredible considering he was over 50 when he became a father
2: Ooh, that's funny because when i you know when the the priest was talking about that and he was like two sons and i was like oh that's not bad and four daughters and in my head i went two plus four that dude had six kids <laughs> popping kids out yeah. B- besides the fact that he
3: was 50 yes
1: <laughs> yeah um I mean, I don't know. There might be something to say there too about how men can, you know, always procreate or through most of their life. And, you know, there's a timeline for women, but, you know, they don't, I don't feel like the movie gets into that. I'm just saying that there, you know, there's something to be said about that. So,
2: well, I I think it goes to show what you said earlier about he is the hero of this story. Yeah. This might not be his story, but he is the hero of this story, right? Because we get. We get a beginning, a middle, and end. We actually get an end for him. And by showing that it wasn't him that was the problem that couldn't have any kids, right? After she'd called him impotent and flaccid and all these terrible things to his his face. Yeah. But then once he left that terrible situation, he was able to go on, find love, and have six kids. So obviously he was (laughs) not flaccid or or impotent it was you Um, (laughs) homegirl right so i think that's just another subtle dig to he is the hero of the story you are not and you were the problem all along
1: yeah and and he had i mean there and even though he was i mean had every right to be like this the same kind of narcissistic uh because i mean he was they pay him in the movies he was the top plastic surgeon could name any price he wanted because he could fix anybody and make them perfect. But there's no point in this movie where you ever get the fact that he's not anything but humble. Like, I mean, he, he doesn't like come off as like this guy who's full of himself and that, and, and they do like both of them do, you know, like, so that goes into it as well. Um, In the original script, Helen didn't become an obese cat lady, and when Ernest meets up with Helen years later at her book signing event, she hasn't yet taken the potion. Thus, she looks older, yet is still beautiful and glamorous. She was beautiful enough to seduce Ernest and make Madeline antsy and jealous. I prefer it being the other way, where she actually took the potion, but that's just me.
2: I love the fat cat lady.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: It's One, it's hilarious. Two... It just highlights her, her insane mental place where she is, because you could see her becoming that fat cat lady, um, because you know she's done nothing but sit in a chair and rewatch death scenes of Madeline <laughs> over and over again while she stuffs her face with f- frosting from her fingers. I mean, it's just, it just pounds at home even better and then i think seeing her frumpy and then you can understand where she goes to fat cat lady and then the i mean just first of all the reveal where you where they're looking at her and you know madeline's going oh she hasn't changed she's gained weight she's still frumpy and then whoever that woman is steps to the side and you see her yeah I mean, it's oh, so yeah. impactful, and you wouldn't have had that moment of her still being petty and then basically getting slapped in the face, you know, if you hadn't have had the the fat cat lady, and then you wouldn't have had the funny, she's in the asylum fit and all that. So
3: I, I yeah. love
2: the fact that they did that.
3: I like how yeah. immediately, like, Madeline's like, we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, this woman
1: who looks better than I do, you know, because and after I've had years of the best plastic surgery that somebody can afford. So, yeah, um, uh, we've already well, mentioned not, the-
2: not not only that, but it goes in it goes into play when she admits that she had taken the potion years and years ago. Yeah, Right? Yeah. So she yeah, didn't so- have to have the plastic surgery.
1: Yeah, she's she was locked in at an earlier age, so she she automatically looked better because of it uh after uh well we've already discussed this This basically the scene where he's the er doctor's looking at her that tablet was nitroglycerin and he was having a heart attack and that's you know uh, where everybody was going after ernest leaves the room and they're responding to a code um helen was originally supposed to take the potion in the final act of the film leading up to her fight with madeline so hmm. um i don't know that having her take it later on i think it's better the way they did it again. yeah i, I agree uh, despite the unseen, deleted, uh, the unseen deleted scene where it uh, had explained why the nuns were in the hospital morgue uh, where it was to identify the body of a priest, some fans have theorized that the crying floating nuns shown in the film symbolized that Madeline has damned herself to a fate worse than death after drink drinking Lyle's potion and then getting herself killed due her, to her carelessness and cruelty. Despite being legally dead, Madeline's soul is forever trapped inside of her decaying body, and she'll never be able to properly pass on.
3: Yeah. That's what I got from it. And those nuns were floating. They weren't walking. Yeah, that's, I know. The, that's the I, thing.
1: The floating of the nuns is what makes that seem strange. Even if you just say that she was visiting because that was the scene. They were like, oh, we're here because the uh, priest died. They were floating. There yeah. has to be a symbolism behind that.
2: See, and I, I didn't even I didn't know about the whole, you know, undeleted or the deleted scene. Um I just thought it was put in for a creep factor Mm -hmm. because I mean, it would make sense for nuns to be down there either. I guess nuns don't give last rites, but you know, maybe a sister had died or a priest had died or, or whatever, whatever. And they had gone to the morgue for some reason that didn't bother me. Like I didn't question why they were there, but you are absolutely right. The floatiness is what was the creep factor. And I thought they just did it for that.
1: Uh, When Mr. Chagall is talking to Madeline after he sends his assistant Anna away, his eye keeps moving strangely. One of his eyes keeps blinking really fast while the other one keeps wandering in an unnatural manner to where he has to turn it correctly which is funny because Katy Perry recently had something like that happen in real life, so it makes wow. you wonder. But anyways, oh. uh, he keeps putting his hand over the eye that's wandering to hide this problem from Madeline. It's theorized that since he's Lyle Von Ruman's assistant and recruiter and most likely took the potion, either Mr. Chigallis been was involved in some sort of accident involving his face, which the potion couldn't fix, or he's possibly an undead member of her society and that his eyes, were resi- you know, he, he basically, whatever happened to him, That you know, after he became immortal, like damage design, it keeps doing that. So
3: dude, I never noticed that.
2: Oh, I did. I thought it was just like a weird tick, right? Because you know, you think he they're in a place where they're trying to fix you into perfection and he's got this weird tick. And it wasn't until he showed up as that like the speaker at the party that I was like, oh.
1: The Rose, funny thing is though dead. The funny thing in the movie though is whenever he shows up to speak at her party, his eye's fine. So some people have also theorized that maybe that was prior to getting the potion. But no, I, he
2: still has that tick.
1: So I, I don't know, but I I like it. I think the idea is creepier if, if he's dead and that, that's the reason his eyes doing that weird, you know, twitch thing that's going on with Like he's it.
2: trying to keep it in the socket or...
1: Yeah, yeah, like it's rolling around and he can't really keep it where it's supposed to be at. Gross. <laughs> um, that is all the, the trivia I have for this movie. Um, uh, I, I think it's a fun movie. I really do. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I would give it uh 3.75 out of five. Wow. Easy.
3: That is, uh, the rating of, uh, Rotting Corpses. Daphne, yes. what, what would you rate on the Rotting Corpses scale out of five? Uh,
2: out of five, I would probably, I would probably... I'd probably have to go four point five.
3: That's exactly where I'm at, which is hilarious.
2: I mean, part of me wants to give it a five, but I think I think, like I said, because it the what I mentioned about earlier about it being choppy, but not really being choppy. I think that's what brings it down to a four point five because it's not like perfection. But, uh, yeah, boy, it's a 4.5 for me.
3: I can't give it a 5 knowing that we are a horror film podcast. And while this is a horror comedy, and we do review horror comedies, it's still, like, there's certain horror comedies that still have a little bit of scare factor in them, and this one Mm. more or less has a lesson, but not so much scare in it. So that's where I am with it, because I don't care how choppy this CGI looks or not any of this. It's from the 90s. Early to mid right. '90s, and it holds up well in 2024. Right? How old is this movie and the now? the message is still good too. Thirty years, forty years, uh,
4: just
1: about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's ex- going to be exactly thirty years. Yeah, at this point, exactly so.
3: thirty years. So that's what brings it up to the higher point for me is that you know you can talk all the shit you want to, but what were you watching in the '90s that was looked this good?
2: well and then went on to influence jurassic park oh yeah
1: <laughs> i i mean my uh, my personal rating on it is where it's at just because like i mean i know other movies that are coming out this season mm. that are definite fives for me so i gotta have i gotta have a baseline you so gotta give yourself
2: a, some room
1: yeah so i and and i and one of them is a horror comedy yeah um, in it. so i mean it's It's, I mean, so this one is a 3.75. I wouldn't, I would give it a four maybe, but like it's, it's on the line for me there. Well, see,
3: that's the thing, Daphne, is we every, so every April for April fools, we do a horror comedy because there's always a horror comedy. So like, that's the thing is you could probably join us on almost all of those.
2: Because I don't know. I don't know. Tucker
3: and Dale. I can't really. Oh my god! Well, we, I think we already we already did that one. We already okay, did that. Good. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, it it, it is that's possibility is what I'm saying.
2: Well, good. Well, I figured this was, uh, you guys put it great because it's like a Valentine's Day because it's love, but not really <laughs> love, uh, you know. And I, I just, I, I mean, really... artists
1: found love. I mean, that's a <laughs> point. So
3: oh, he did. <laughs> uh, he fell in love and he was able to keep it up. You know.
1: <laughs> it's funny because the impotence does factor into another maybe we're going to discuss here very shortly oh
3: lord oh lord <laughs>
2: i don't even want to know yeah. that was not enough of a hint for me and
3: i don't want to know she's like and i'm out <laughs>
1: <laughs> um anything else y'all want to say before we wrap this one up
3: it
2: was great i was so glad that you guys let me bring this movie to you guys because i know this is probably a little lighter than what you normally do but i had a lot of fun watching this and discussing it with you guys and th- this was just this was a lot of fun thank you oh, well you're
3: welcome i think you
1: brought a lot of great points and i oh, yeah. appreciate you being on here and honestly this movie was going to be i mean i i like this movie quite a bit obviously and i and I, this was going to be reviewed one way or the other when you mentioned i was like perfect that's the season to put it on Zombies. Oh, yeah oh yeah
3: <laughs> Definitely. And you know, the thing is, is that and the fans know that listen, but I do, I do not like zombie movies. I hate them really well. And so being able to take a break and have a refresher this whole month has been pretty amazing, obviously, uh, because Good. we've been, it's been mostly romantic zombie movies. which <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know what to uh, say. Yeah, before that's we a weird phrase. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, ne- necrophilia just uh, slightly removed. Um, <laughs>
3: Romzoms.
1: Yeah, but we're getting oh, ready to do, I mean, we're no. getting close to Dawn of the Dead, so you're going to be right back in the yeah. thick of things, then.
3: that's That's why I need something like this to kind of... And then thankfully we have April to get me through. So we're, you know, we, we go back to the horrible horror stuff and then April, I get a break again. And then I think the rest of the season, I'm kind of fucked. (laughs) And not in the fun way. And not in the fun way. I'll, I'll watch a horror film, man, but I hate watching zombie movies. They scare the fuck out of me. So. All
1: right, folks. With that, peace be with you.
3: And with your spirit.